start hour two down on the bayou. Tuesday, May 24th it is, episode number 347, Inside the Press Box. Mike Grace from the Breakline Optic Studios, J.D. Byers in Mobile. And our buddy Tim Brando from Chateau Brando today. And a, c- a couple of public service announcements. First of all, Tim, I'm checking on you because I know you had to babysit yesterday. <laughs> and if it's like me, you, you, you need some recuperation time after spending the day with a little one, man. Well, and we had four of them, you know, all last week uh, on the beach. Now, it was wonderful. Had a great time. But as is always the case, uh, I need vacation from vacation, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm certainly in recovery oh. mode today. Uh, when, thank you for helping me through it. <laughs> when Tim Brando goes to the beach, where do you, which beach is uh, the favorite? Oh, it's Orange Beach. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love oh, Orange yeah. Beach. Oh, yeah. And we're there every year in the spring, uh, go in May. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um Usually make a return visit to uh, uh, Destin or Fort Walton, a uh, combination of both. Uh, maybe maybe swing by 30A in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually in um, July. And uh, and on my way back, I stop over and see my friend Brendan Dardot, who runs uh, the Beau Rivage, you know, right down there in Biloxi. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I enjoy kind of a, a private vacay then, so take our time with that. Um but this, this, you know, getting both uh, families together and all four grandkids between the ages of 15 months and five years, getting them all together for the same week is it becomes increasingly difficult, yeah. you know, because they all grow up, they all have their own lives, and coordinating time off between, you know, two guys that are in the medical field is sometimes tough yeah no doubt and the second public service announcement uh, goes out to our press box radio listeners who if you got a facebook message from tim asking you to sign a petition that's not tim uh, that's not the, me the face, that's right the facebook account got hacked <laughs> no, I, I did get hacked it happened uh <laughs> it happened yesterday yeah sure did and that that's the first time that's happened to me yeah yeah uh, uh, not, yeah i'm hoping it comes back uh, today they tell me that uh those of us that have blue check marks by our names sometimes get uh, some help more quickly, but to this point, I haven't heard anything. We'll see. Now, but it, some some might say it's a godsend, you know, that I'm I've been knocked off Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many different things we could talk about, but I got to get to to, to Jimbo and Nick. What what do we make of this, and 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 why won't Jimbo just let it go? Oh, by the way. Uh, my daughter, Tiffany, at Tiffany Brando Cruz, she is uh, someone that handles a lot of my speaking. I believe maybe in the beginning you came through her to get to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's great. And uh, she put out an on Brando that I normally would have tweeted out on my own account. So there's a little two-minute uh, soliloquy from yours truly that's on her site, uh, at Tiffany Brando Cruz. And I put it on my Facebook. My Facebook is back. And um, oh. my Instagram at Timmy B on Fox is back, so you can find it there too. Um, listen, I, the, the reality here is uh, he, Saban and Jimbo screwed up my vacation. I was on a Twitter ban, had to come <laughs> off last week, so I'm kind of pissed at both. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it really, it, it was it was a good weather day too, you know, down oh, in Orange Beach. If it had on. been a rainy day. It would have been a lot better. Uh, I wish Saban would have thought of that about that when he when he when he said all that on Wednesday night in Birmingham. Um, the kerfuffle is uh, something that that in so many ways is uh, is disappointing, but I think it's also eye opening, and I believe it raises the issue again of of 
of why we need leaders to lead and what, why governance is paramount now. And I address that. What Nick said on Wednesday night, uh, if he were uh, the, the, the czar of college football, and, and you know this, Mike, because we've talked about it. Yeah. Uh, Saban and I have had one-on-one discussions for years. I used to do, do a show that was in the summer called Football Saturdays. It was a six-week episodic show. It won us uh, four Emmys yeah. in the 14 years that I did it. Terrific. And uh, I'm very proud of that work that we did. And each year, we would do sit-down one-on-ones with coaches that won national titles. So I came down to Tuscaloosa a lot to talk to Nick. And, and um, you know, I've known him for a long time. I've known Jimbo for a long time. Uh, I, I knew them when they worked together. knew them before they worked together. And so there's a lot of misconceptions out there about, about Jimbo being a protege of Nick. And I think it, it's, it, it's really been difficult for him um, – to be called uh, Nick's protege because he feels, and rightfully so, that he was really Terry Bowden and Bobby Bowden's guy. That's that's who grew him into the industry. He played for Terry at Sanford. He uh, coached for Terry. He coached for Bobby before becoming the head coach at Florida State. Yet it's those years with with Nick, and understandably, they won a national title together in 03 at, at LSU that most people latch on to. Um, and there were some issues for those two, and it was pretty clear that it's been built up venom for a long period of time for, for him, and that's what came roaring out uh, when, when he had his response to what Saban had to say. But let me get back to Nick, because that's what's paramount here. Nick was talking to a group of, of Birmingham leaders, CEOs, wealthy people, as they were getting ready for the world games coming. And he took the opportunity with the microphone to discuss uh, towards the end of his uh, conversation, the situation with NIL and in so doing uh, decided to try to educate those people there and let them know because he's in effect soliciting them, uh, trying to let them know that it's a new age and that, uh, Hey, you want us to be ahead of this. You're going to have to pony up. And in so doing, he, he really did cross the line. If you were if you were going to be the czar of college football, and, and Nick, I think, would be a hell of a good one. I think he would be, if he got out of coaching and, and uh, those in, in governance, the commissioners of all the different leagues came to him and said, hey, coach, how about you help lead us through this transition as we move – the top 65 programs into a position different from where we've been, that we are going to separate in effect, separate um, from, from the rest of college football. Satan and I have had this conversation. Now I don't, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, but I agree with a lot of it. And, and um, I've got guys that I would love to see be commissioners or czar of all of college football besides him. But he's certainly one that would be a candidate for me. And so as he was explaining all this, I think he got really revved up and started freestyling, really giving some awesome opinions, things that are similar to what he's told me in those private sit-down one-on-one sessions that we used on Football Saturdays. And you can go and Google them and find them. You know, I mean, he genuinely loves the game, has a passion for not just coaching his team, but seeing college football 
flourish and be held in the proper light and continue to grow. If, if he were auditioning to be czar with what he had to say, he would have been perfect. But he's a head coach of a program that happens to be the best of a generation at Alabama. And to say what he did specifically about Deion Sanders and an HBCU and uh, use a, a player that was bought for $1 million and his only, his only um, uh, backup documentation for this actually happening was, well, it was in the newspapers. It was in the newspaper. Didn't you see it? They were proud of it. And that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not exactly quality documentation. <laughs> and I thought of all the three of all three coaches that were mentioned in all of this, Dion shined brightly because he was measured. He waited. He responded through social media and then said, hey, I'm not taking your call. You're not going to apologize privately. You made this public. You brought up our program and me and that kid. Let's discuss it publicly. That's perfect. That's exactly what Dion should have said. Um he looked like the adult in the room between the three of them. He, he really did. So I applaud uh, Deion Sanders. Uh, what he did in calling out A&M the way he did and saying they bought every player, now we understand in today's uh, world that uh, it is a wild, wild west set of circumstances because of the lack of regulation. But there's no way Nick didn't know when he said that that it would fall in an incendiary category to the people he was talking about. He knew that that was going to piss off Jimbo. I mean, he absolutely did, or he wouldn't have said it. Now, I don't think he wanted to go there. I think he just got caught in his own conversation and trying to explain to people, and it really perturbed him that they weren't number one in recruiting, and he was going to tell them why. And his own hubris got in the way, so he calls out A&M. And and uh, and specifically buying every player, so you knew that the reaction was going to be uh, quick, but maybe not as harsh from Jimbo, because Jimbo's been keeping a lot of this built-up venom that he's had for for Nick for a long time, both as his assistant coach, and then later being compared to him as a head coach, and um, there were there were issues. The article that was in the Athletic that quoted Pete Jenkins, the old D-line coach at LSU, and Matt Mock, uh, the national championship quarterback in 2003, uh, who came in for Rohan Davey, you might recall, when he got hurt uh, in um, in uh, 2001. That, that that was a that was that was a really good article, and I think hit on the history that, that those two had. Many of us know about that, particularly those of us that were in Louisiana when those two got together. Um, because Nick's hard on coaches. You know, he's hard. Ask any of the guys that have ever worked for him. Yeah, they respect him, but yeah, they were. he was hard. I mean, Johnny Majors may be the only coach that I know of that went through as many assistant coaches in a short uh, span of time as, as, as Nick. But, but what the reaction from Jimbo was, was, was for me, expected – because I know him. He's combative. He always has been. He's always had a chip on his shoulder. And uh, he's a, an accomplished head coach himself. And yet he he's, in his own mind, made to feel inferior to Saban. And that's always been problematic for him. Uh, he could have really 
taken the high road and made Saban look even worse, he chose not to. He, you know, Jimbo couldn't get out of his own way either. His his hubris became part of the issue too. But he was playing to his base, and the base in Aggieland is 100% behind him. He doesn't care what his national image is the way Nick does. And and I do tell you that Saban can say he doesn't care, but he does. If you've ever been around Nick for any amount of time, trust me, he, he cultivates um, the attention he gets, and he wants to be – respected and, and, and loves being called the goat. I mean, he does Uh, so much so that in the aftermath of what happened when he knew he stepped in it the next day, he's going on, uh, radio shows with Jacob Hester, who was one of his players at LSU to walk back some of what he said. Uh, he's talking with, um, Chris Lowe, uh, who is, I think probably one of the four or five writers, that would be in his specific circle that he would talk to on a regular basis, similar to maybe Cecil Hurt, the late Cecil Hurt. Chris is in that group. Um, So when you do that uh, the next day, you you know that you stepped in it. And so to me, that was an admission as well, that that Nick knew he needed to clean it up. And to some extent he did. But (laughs) it's going to be really interesting to see how the commissioner of the SEC tries to clean up the entire situation from an image standpoint between now and what are we a week away from them getting together in Destin? So um, it's time for the leaders, especially people like Saban to, to take this conversation to another level. This narrative now needs to be about solutions, not about bitching about problems. Let's talk about what the solutions should be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guys in suits really don't know. They don't understand. They're not in the they're not in the bunkers trying to deal with all of the different issues that are out there now, that are so wide and so varied that coaches' heads are spinning right now. But but it was a bad look overall. But it was, uh, I think, one that, uh, that shoots into my mind the need for all of these guys to back up a little take stock of themselves and realize that they are the true leaders of the sport. And it's up to them to get the narrative right and coerce commissioners and athletic directors alike to do what's right for college football. Uh, Tim, I think again, the story you tell the story you de- you mentioned in the athletic is so important because it gives us context that, that yeah. many of us did not understand where, where's all this, where, where's all this heated exchange coming from? It's context that makes it so much yeah. easier to understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a business. Um, and uh, it, it, no matter who you work for or with in any career, uh, you're going to have relationships that go south. Maybe some relationships that um, uh, go north and south in over five or six years. And uh, my assumption is that for both of those guys, it's been both cordial at times and, uh, and, uh, septic, you know, yeah. uh, at times. And, um, I think it, this was one of those situations where in Jimbo's camp, my God, we just had to deal with Lane Kiffin saying what he did about free agency. Uh, and he was annoyed when he had to do that. And he feels like Lane Kiffin is to, Nick Saban, what Eddie Haskell was to Wally and leave it to be, <laughs> I love you know? it. I love it. I love it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. Oh, I, yeah. And, and Agree. The, the perfect the perfect analogy is is giving Lane Kiffin the Eddie Haskell role. Uh, that's his perfect. Yeah. O- only a minute or two left here. Uh, Tim, what do you expect at the SEC meetings next week and at SEC media days, which, what, six weeks away in Atlanta this year? Well, I, I don't know if they can get a photo op this quickly to try to <laughs> nurture things, <laughs> but, but maybe by SEC media days. Because the story's not going to go away. They can try as they might. Um, and by the way, the commissioner's um, statement, which came out the next day, I, I don't know how you felt, but to me it was almost like um, uh, offsetting penalties were called by Mike Pereira. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. football game. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> kind of gave both a, a little slap on the wrist and move on. Like we got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we do have some bylaws that have been violated, but. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make the situation any worse with the two most high-profile coaches, two of the three most high-profile coaches that I have in my league. Uh, and by the way, how much fun do you think Kirby's having with all this? And the oh, Georgia yeah. fans—they're oh, yeah. just, oh my God, they're 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 swimming in it right now. You guys just go right ahead. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. fine with us. Absolutely. Uh, but I do believe that uh, Greg Sankey is going to be measured uh, to some extent by by many in our business in how he handles this because um, right now he's the strongest commissioner among the power five. But, you know, this is something Mike Slive dealt with when you with the, when the whole Philip Fulmer, Tennessee yeah. versus Alabama thing yeah. came out. Remember yeah. when Philip yeah. didn't come to media days oh, for yeah. all that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Slive immediately got to those guys and said, fellas, that's, you know, Here's the deal. You're going to adhere to these rules, and we're gonna we're gonna find a way here for everybody to be on the same page. And uh, Mike was able to do that in ways that I don't know any other man could have. Well, well, Sankey is going to be measured against that reputation that Mike's live had. Hey, uh, Tim, so. we're we're out of time. We cannot thank you enough, man. So appreciate your insights, and uh, we wish you the very best. We'll talk to you again soon, man. You got it, fellas. Thanks Good talking so to you, Mike. You bet. Again, Tim Brando again from Chateau Brando. Just the best and fantastic information regarding the Jimbo and Nick feud. More as the Press Box continues after this. From the broadcast booth to a courtside seat to the postgame locker room, nobody's closer to the action than our guys. Before I was hired for the SEC Network, I owned my own sports radio company, and the show was called The Press Box. So, I mean, this is anytime that I heard that, all of a sudden, um, kind of gives me goosebumps. This is The Press Box. Uh, yeah, 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 it gives us goosebumps, too, because uh, I'm sure you got the royalty check in the mail. J.D., do you get do you take care of that? Right, the royalty check so. is on the way. I'm out of stamps. I'm sure, I'm sure that it is. That the is, royalty check was about the same cost as the uh, stamps. So. That is uh, J.D. Myers. Mike Grace here inside the Press Box. Glad to have you with us on great stations around the state. And there he is in Hoover, Alabama. It is Peter Burns of the ESPN slash SEC Network. Uh, working the PGA Tour this weekend and now SEC Baseball. Peter, how in the world are you, man? I'm doing great. I, f- I flew in on the private jet thanks to the royalty checks for the press box. This was uh, yeah, this yeah. was awesome. Now it's uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I was back in like C twenty eight C to get here, but Fun. I'm uh, I'm excited, man. It's always it's always a good week here. Well, was, Ooh, that sounds like exit row area. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, start us out with the PGA over the weekend, man. What what a gig! Congratulations on on a on a great job covering that with ESPN Plus. 
man, we had a, we had a blast. And, you know, the, you know, the first couple of days were, you know, we were trying to figure out what these storylines, right. And we had all of a sudden we had Rory McIlroy play extremely well. And then you had Tiger make the cut, but then withdrawal. And, you know, you're kind of figuring out what was going to happen here on, you know, the last round. And man, Mito Pereira was just, it, it seemed like he was going to walk away with this thing. And sure enough, you know, he misses that short little putt on 17. I mean, listen, guys, two inches closer and that thing is in. And he's, he basically has it locked up, but then goes to 18, hits that bad tee shot. And what a great, you know, three-hole playoff we had. And, you know, Jordan um, uh, and, and Justin Thomas coming back. I mean, it was it was crazy to see. And, and once again, an SEC guy beats uh, an ACC guy. So it was nice to, to get another Bama versus, uh, you know, Wake Forest. Win there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> did, you, uh, did, did, you, did you whisper a lot? I've, I've done some golf, and that was the biggest uh, adjustment, but it seemed like it comes natural after years of watching Jim Nance. Uh, did, you, did you whisper on the putts? Yeah, yeah, you do the hushed tones that you do a little bit. You're like, here he is in 143. <laughs> well, what's funny because when we call it, we're calling it from a booth, you know, so we can be as loud as we want. But when I call SEC men's and women's golf tournaments, I'm actually on the course. And so the last thing you ever want to do is, like, be loud right as – you know, right as somebody's about to putt, because then they will give you the absolute stare of death, like like worse than Nick Saban's giving Jimbo Fisher right now. That stare of what are you doing? Um, so yeah, it's it's fun, man. It's a, it's a good event, and then again we roll straight into that. I, I went home for a day, and then now we're here. I'm right here. Just got to the ballpark here at Hoover Met. And we got Georgia, Bama, and uh, Mother Nature maybe blowing in today around noon. It looks like so. Hey, before we talk baseball, uh, some of the comments that have surfaced about uh, the potential or the discussion and possibly a concept of the SEC and football uh, playing inter-conference playoff. Uh, what do you think about that? I'd love to have Peter Burns' perspective on perhaps playing a conference championship that involves more than just one game in Atlanta. I mean, I'd love it. I'd absolutely love if all of a sudden you took it and said, all right, we're going to have a four-team playoff at the end. I mean, I, I mean, my original thoughts is this may be more along the lines of just kind of saying, hey, listen, if, if the alliance, quote-unquote, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten, if those commissioners didn't want to play ball, well, all right, well, we don't even have to bring our ball to the, to the, to the championship. We, we can just kind of do our own thing, and then maybe that champion will meet the champion of the Alliance or whatnot. Um, and I don't think, you know, I think it's more of a little bit of a warning shot to be like, hey, unless you guys come up with a really good idea here that we've already had and y'all y'all vetoed it, we could potentially do this. And I, I listen, you know, what amount of power? I mean, you know, the now when you're adding Texas and Oklahoma into this league, you're already having the strongest football conference, you know, in, in, in the country. You could potentially do that. Now, I don't think it gets that far, but I guarantee you if all of a sudden that Greg Sankey, who's who's a pretty good visionary of this type of stuff, if he doesn't like the path that these other conferences are going, he damn well could do that. And I'll tell you what, I sure as hell watch. I think it'd be great. Yeah, you know, you've seen it like a professional ranks when uh, NFL team owner wants a new stadium. He starts to release blueprints, and he talks about a piece of real estate. <laughs> it's posturing to try to get the city to step up and finally give him the improvements he wants at the current stadium just to see if he can leverage what could be. Um, would it be – if it did happen, hypothetically, would it be kind of a pod situation where we'd have four regions instead of two divisions or 
Any any idea I think, how you thought it? No, I mean, I, I think what we'd end up having is something. It, it, let's say you did that. I think the idea of pods that we thought that might, you know, that we were trying to trying to uh, put together back in media days last year. I think the pod idea is dead. I, I think that you'll just have basically the SEC, and I, I think we'll go away from divisions um, eventually to where it'll just be like every other conference, just going, hey, listen the top two teams in your conference play for a championship, or if there was this crazy, you know, college football playoff or SEC football playoff in before the college football playoff, if you had something along those lines, I think it would just be kind of a, Hey, here's the, you know, here's the top four seeds and they play along those lines. So um, I don't know. There's still a lot to work on. And that's why, you know, we go directly here from the, from baseball tournament straight to spring meetings in Destin where, you know, the big conversation is, you know, are they going to go to a scheduling that has one permanent opponent or they're going to go to a scheduling that has three permanent opponents each year. So they're in the process of figuring that out right now. He is Peter Burns, and we've only got a couple minutes left with him as he's set for ESPN and the SEC Network's coverage of the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover. So is there anybody up there that can put a scare into Tennessee? They've just been so good, Peter. Yeah, you know, it's a great great question because this is as wide open of a tournament as I feel like we've been in and maybe, my gosh, since we launched the network in 2014. The reason why I say that is, you know, even Tennessee, they don't have anything to play for here this week, right? I mean, they're already the number one seed in the tournament. And I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, Tony Vitello likes to go out there and win every single game, of course. But, you know, some, some programs like that, when they already have a national seed, it's like, hey, how much of our pitching do we want to use? You know, we don't want to get anybody injured. So I am curious to see how they go uh, and play. I mean, you know, I like Vanderbilt out this week. LSU's bats have been great. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of high-scoring games, guys, because there's not a lot of front-end pitching, and a lot of guys are going to try to save their pitching for actual regionals and super regionals. So uh, I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of, like, you know, 10 to 7 games uh, throughout this week. and. That's probably about 10 to 17 different uh, rain delays we might yeah, get. It yeah, looks like yeah. Mother Nature's oh, no. going to hit us up pretty hard. I was going to say, Peter, uh, you'll be in our thoughts all week long because the, as, the again, the network anchor, the studio anchor for the SEC Network, the the, the last thing you want is is a, uh, a rain delay that you've got to fill with, 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 the, with your help from your partners. And you might have a couple of those this week, you think? It is. Uh, it could be worse, right? When you're talking baseball with David DeLucci and Ben McDonald and, you know, those guys, uh, like, uh, it ends up being great story time. So uh, I actually kind of like the brain delays because I learned so much just about the game of baseball from those guys. Love but, uh, yeah, it's a much a little easier flow when uh, Mother Nature lets us just play some baseball. And we should have a good one. We got a good one right off the bat. You know, Bama's trying to make sure they get NCAA bound and Georgia's trying to fight themselves back into a hosting seat. So, yeah, yeah. Well, best of luck to you, man. Thanks so much for squeezing us in. I know you got a tight schedule. We think the world of you, man. And we'll invite you back. You're welcome anytime inside the press. Box. Always, boys. Thanks. You Appreciate it. it. You bet. Again, Peter Thanks, Burns, Peter. ESPN, the SEC Network, getting set to go on the air from the Hoover Met. Want to talk to the guys? Hit them up at the contact page online at pressboxradio.com or find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pressbox Radio 1. That's Pressbox Radio and the number one. That's how you can earn access to the Pressbox.